Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about The Way Back and All the Bright Places and I am very happy to be joined by recurring guest Joey Magidson to talk about this one from AwardCircuit.com and The Hollywood News. Joey, thanks for joining me. Hey, no problem. My pleasure. Yeah, so first we're going to talk about The Way Back, and then we'll talk about All the Bright Places. The Way Back's the newest movie starring Ben Affleck from director Gavin, o- Gavin O'Connor and uh, writer Brad Inglesby. It tells the story of a guy named uh, Jack Cunningham, who uh, was a big-time high school basketball player, and I guess the movie takes place in California, I think, Joey, from what yeah. I can gather. Like yeah. Torrance area. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so what I kind of figured. And uh, he's a big-time high school basketball player in the 90s and uh, had a chance to really be something and then kind of just you know, flamed out and uh, is now uh, working construction in present day and kind of a functioning alcoholic of sorts, it's fair to say, is how he's portrayed earlier in the movie. And he's, he's obviously portrayed by uh, Ben Affleck. And uh, he gets a call from the head of his old high school who says, hey, our coach just had a heart attack and we're not, he's not going to come back, even though he survived because it's a lot of stress. Do you want to take this on and be this and be our new head coach, at least for now, because we need someone to step up, even though you've never coached before. We'd like to have you do it. And uh, he ultimately agrees. And he has to kind of learn how to rally this team together while also trying to figure out a lot of the problems he has going on in life. Uh, Joey, I was really excited to talk about this movie because it really surprised me. I mean, I saw the trailer and I was telling you before we started recording, I just wasn't that excited about it at first. It it just looked like a very by-the-book sports movie. And from the, what, the looks of it, it seemed like something I'd seen before. And I wasn't that excited about it. But then I saw the early word when the embargo lifted and all the critics started talking about it and it got good reviews. And I was like, huh, there might be more to this. And I would say the thing that really stuck with me after I saw this movie was that it felt like it was a a movie that kind of avoided all the turns you might expect a movie like this to make and for that I really appreciated it and that was just like the most surprising pleasant thing was that it felt different from a sports movie you're going to go see that might have the bones that this one does uh I know you, you I think you already said somewhere in the last few days I saw you say this is your number one of the year so far and that means more than when you say it than when I say it because people that you know listen to me and talk to me about movies a lot think I see a lot of movies but you see like you've probably already seen twice if not more than twice as many movies as I have this year. So that says a lot. Uh, what, what was it about this movie that really surprised you? Yeah, I'm, I'm at like 70 movies for the year, I think. Yeah, so like about twice as much as I've seen, yeah. yeah. I, I, there are cliches in the movie, but they're mm-hmm. the good cliches and they're used well. Um, yeah, the trailer made this look like it could be just a good sports movie, like a glory road or something like that. Just forgettable and you, you sure. move on with it's your a day. solid movie, yeah. Yeah, but I kept in mind, one, I like Affleck. I'm always curious what choices he makes. Um, the fact that this was about an alcoholic and he was taking it after he had already gone into rehab. So something was there that interested him. And then also just Gavin O'Connor. This is his third sports movie. He doesn't do generic sports films like miracle has sports to it. And I would also argue that's probably the best picture of hockey you'll ever see on screen, that Mm -hmm. they hired actual hockey players and figured out how to get them the act. Yeah, a lot of college hockey guys that weren't really actors again, but they got the Exactly. We can get them where they need to be for the part, but we want to be able to shoot them actually playing hockey. But that movie's way more about uh, Herb Brooks, about about an obsessive person. Like, I want to beat the Russians. I want to be the best, and I'm going to do it my way, and it's only going to be my way. And then Warrior. I've actually never seen Warrior, but people really speak highly of it. Warrior is phenomenal. Okay. Um, it's It's got a rocky vibe to it, but it's way more about circumstances and, and what will put you in a circumstance to have to compete against someone 
in the way that they do in that film. Like, that mm-hmm. film is amazing. I could do a whole thing on that. But <laughs> this one also, it's far less Glory Road than it is Manchester by the Sea. Like, it's uh. way more about this destructive person who's been walking a line of of almost being a fuck-up. Mm-hmm. But he's not quite. <laughs> but he's right there. And when the opportunity of the coach comes up, it's the third or fourth scene in the movie. He's already, you, you've established the character very quickly as... He always, he's always drinking. It's really the only thing he does. He doesn't have a good reason to say yes. He tries to say no a lot. He eventually says yes. And quickly you realize, like, that this is going to become the new obsession. Like, he's going to replace drinking, though he doesn't really. He still drinks, with coaching a team. Not right. that he knows how necessarily. Not that he's necessarily good at it. But that he knows basketball. And he has intelligence there. And as you watch that, you start to realize that it's not following the normal path right. that this movie would. And that's part of its charms. I mean, that's and that's only maybe the first 20 minutes of the movie, and it's a two-hour movie. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the movie and just tell people to – right. I'll put the disclaimer in the description because with what I want to say about it, I kind of need to I need to jump ahead a little bit. But yes. I, I kind of like what you, uh, what you said about it just like maybe not following the normal path but also about him uh, replacing it as his obsession because I, uh, I spent the whole movie like really, really worried about both the literal and the figurative car crash. Not, yeah. I mean, this is in the first 20 minutes. I'm like, there's going to be a car crash. There's at least what you see him. I mean, most of the time he's getting help back from the bar, but he's also drinking in his car. Right. And I'm like, at some point, this guy's going to get in a car crash or like uh, there's going to be a car, like a figurative car crash when he like shows up drunk to a game or something like that. And is this going to, I just knew that scene was coming in my head and I was waiting for it. And it looked like it might not happen. And I was like really happy about it. And then the, a car crash happens. And, yeah. I, but the thing is the, the, the car crash happens, you know, after they've already won the big game. I thought maybe that was going to happen before and it was going to be like something where he was going to have to really like apologize to the team for showing up drunk or getting in a car crash right before the big game and then his quote-unquote way back was going to be winning the big game. Yeah. And I'm no, like, the things the things that need to happen in this movie do happen mm-hmm. that you can't get you can't get around. There needs to be a big game. There needs to be some sort of fall for him before he can get back. All the all the clichés when you watch the trailer. And admittedly the trailer is not great. Right. Like all the things you know have to be in this movie, you do get them, but they're not in the order you expect. Exactly. They're not quite in the way you'd expect. And they they get the ideal emotion out of you as opposed to the forced one. Like you can have a lot of the things that happen in this movie, especially when we get towards the end of the movie, could come off as like hollow and, and this is the – Perfunctory, you know, the, yeah. Yeah, like this is the writer telling you how to feel at this moment. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that that doesn't happen. Like it's – and some of it is definitely Gavin O'Connor is a really good director when he's making this sort of film. Some of his Brad Ingalls is a solid writer. Yeah, you were you were, you were, you were running you were running down his films. Do you also like The Accountant? It's okay. Yeah, I, like I, he didn't write it. The Accountant is a ridiculous movie done decently well. And yeah. I will say, I think Affleck's very good in The Accountant. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I mean, it got it didn't get great reviews, but I enjoyed it. Oh, it fell off. It falls off a cliff at a certain point. You're like, oh, this is the movie you're going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Affleck is, and I would argue for the most part, Gavin O'Connor, they're making a movie about someone on the spectrum, mm-hmm. and they're doing a good job of it. And then they start to get they lean more into the like, oh, we get we we got to have the big action finale, and that part is is yeah. throwaway. But everything else was pretty solid. But a lot of the things in this one, in the way back, I, I would say you have to give credit to Affleck. Um, I was listening to him or reading an interview where uh, he met, explained that when you watch this movie, every time he opens a beer, he, he taps the can a couple of times, which is a weird like tick that he has. Huh. That's probably what he did while he gotcha. was a drunk. 
So like to get into that mind space, like he was really doing the things that were that he was doing. Wow. He went to some dark places in his own life. So <laughs> yeah. that helps. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, at some point, but I may as well bring it up now because it seems like you've already answered my question. But I was going to ask, there's obviously been a lot of real life parallels. I mean, maybe a lot of the audience for this movie isn't reading the news about Ben Affleck and the profiles or he's putting himself out there and talking about his past. But he's being pretty candid about just, you know, getting through the alcoholism and stuff like that and how it even affected his choice to walk away from Batman. And I, I was wondering, like, is that something you're thinking about as you watch this movie? Because I'm sure you can appreciate someone can appreciate it even if they don't know all that stuff. But it seems like you do know all that stuff. So is that something that's yeah. kind of present in your mind as you're watching this movie? And is it enhancing your viewing experience? It certainly can help. I mean, the other parts of the movie, like, we're, like we said, we're going to spoil. When you find out why he's sort of become the person he's become, then there's two aspects to why he's this drunk, solitary figure. Um, Neither one apply to Ben Affleck as a human being in real life, mm -hmm. but capturing that mind space that I guess he, he must have had for however long he was struggling with it, to get into that space and to, and to feel the way he must have felt, and then channeling that into uh, a fictionalized issue, that's, that's what makes it special. Because, I mean, no matter what, like, you know, Casey Affleck is amazing in Manchester by the Sea, but he, you know, he doesn't have dead children. Mm -hmm. You know, he's finding that he's going to a place to get that most of the time. That's what an actor is doing. And Affleck's still doing that here, but he's doing it while also having this. It's not a crutch because it's an advantage. It's this, this added bonus in a way of I can I can call back to this time in my life that reminds me of this character. Well, even just the parallels of like just a character that's had a lot of peaks and valleys in his life. Yes. And Ben Affleck has also had that. I think I please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's talked about having a father with alcoholism and uh and, and yeah, I just looked it up on his Wikipedia. I didn't make that up. That would have been bad. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, so he and Casey obviously had a little bit of a tough upbringing in that regard and he kind of hit it big. And then, uh, in, in the, in the nineties and then, you know, had a little bit of a lull in the two thousands and then had his Renaissance as a filmmaker. And then, you know, I've liked a couple of the movies he's done the last few years, but maybe since, uh, since Argo, like, went through a little bit of a lull in the quality of some of the stuff he put out. And, and now he's in, in a way kind of back again. And he's had the, his own alcoholic troubles throughout that. And the character in the movie, you know, had a rough relationship with his dad at the start, bonded with his dad over basketball, then rebelled and then went through a lull, met his wife, then, you know, had a tragedy and then is now in a lull when we meet him and then is coming back with basketball. So it's like, it seems very similar, even if he didn't write the movie himself. It's just there, there, there's a lot of parallels that are present, and I found myself thinking about that stuff. If yeah, I don't, no, I don't know if I don't know if it necessarily I would say it makes the movie better, but it's 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 just there. It's one of those movies where I feel like I couldn't imagine someone else in the role. Not right. that it's written for him, and not that he's you know like I don't know like if I had read the if I had read the script if I was a filmmaker and they were coming to me we want you to make this movie, I don't know that that would have been my first thought. But once you pair them together and you realize the parallels, it's hard not to be like this is the perfect person yeah. for the movie because they're going to be able to go to these places because they've been there in a different way. But it's the same as any other any other film when you see these these performances and you wonder how they got there and you listen to them. A lot of times they are going to somewhere personal. Mm -hmm. It may not relate to what you're seeing on screen, but there's something that's drawing out the ability to emote in a way that that um, that we respond to in this way. And for him, it's a lot more on the nose in this sense. 
But for me, I, I, this is this is a performance. I know it won't happen, but he should be nominated for best actor for this. Ah, that's that's that that is high praise. Actually, you know, I don't we, we I don't think we spoiled much by saying there's a car crash in this movie because, like I said, it's on everyone's mind. So yeah, it's uh, not even it's not even hugely centered to the plot. Like yeah, it's not a huge. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'll actually quarter off a separate spoiler section of this, and we, we can talk about some of the other stuff that actually happens that we've been talking around. And I'll I'll, I'll instead just right now ask you about the basketball part of this because mm-hmm. we kind of you kind of touched on it earlier in that you kind of realize it's a sports movie that's not really a sports movie in certain ways. And I think that's really smart. And I mean, not that they, not that they they really do anything where they skimp on the realisticness of the basketball or you know shoot it poorly. Obviously, like you said, Gavin O'Connor knows how to shoot a sports movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll just say that I was really impressed with the way the sports stuff was written. In that, you know, I, we've seen sports movies before where like someone has to go in and just you know rally around a bunch of kids that aren't organized and have no direction. And I thought it was gonna, and I, I just thought they found a smarter way of doing that. Because mm. I thought that for sure that these were all just going to be a bunch of kids that were just going to be like, oh, screw you, old man. Like, we don't need you. You suck. And, yeah. like, maybe – and, like, one of the kids does have a bit of a personality and he kind of has to address it. And I even think they do that in a smart way. Uh, like, you know, I thought – in every one of these movies where there's, like, a ragtag group of kids that are together playing sports, there's always the kid that you have to go – you know, there's always the really, really good kid that's not on the team for some reason that the coach has to go and track down. Like that's just a thing in a lot of kids sports movies where it's like you got to convince that kid to join the team and it'll fix all of our problems and all the kids on the team currently just aren't that good. And I kind of like that, you know, this is like a group of kids that actually all has like clear roles and they're different. They're different degrees of effective at basketball and they just like need a coach that's like kind of competent. And I I just thought it was a nice twist and it wasn't like these didn't really feel like the most cliched characters in the in in certain ways i especially liked what they did with that point guard that was just like how often do you see that as a movie it's like help having a coach help a kid become a leader like you don't that's not something i I used to be a sports writer in a previous life and like a cardinal sin was like at our school newspaper was or even at just the other internships i had and stuff in, in writing was like you don't write a story about leadership like it's so hard to quantify it's really not that interesting it's like how do you actually like show a reader what a good leader is it's hard to do and they actually like made it interesting to watch him like coach a kid into becoming a leader and i just thought like i like the way these kids were handled and all them were decent enough actors and it's hard to cast that many unknown kids and kind of hit on them yeah no they 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 made the team believable in the senses and not that they're awful they're not particularly good but they're misused like Mm -hmm. there's a there's a scene that admittedly is kind of you know getting out plot points we need to get out when the assistant coach goes over all the players but he's also saying, like, these are what they do well, these are what they don't do well. It's, it's, a, it's it, a conversation that would have to happen. It doesn't feel like an exposition dump just to have an exactly. exposition dump. Yeah. And when he designs the, the style of play they're going to have, he's taking advantage of that, and that's how they become more competent. He's not magically making them so much better of a players. He's taking advantage of their skills. He's making them outwork. There's a, there's a scene I love early on when they're – one of the first couple of games where they're terrible still. I, I took a friend with me, and we both played uh, high school baseball. Okay. And it's one of the ones where they're playing the best team and they're getting destroyed. And at a certain point, he just tears into them. And on the next play, they go and they foul the guys who go and <laughs> do another one of it. The guys dunk just on them with the whole game. Yeah. And they just, just knock the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And I turned to my friend. I was like, that's the high school I remember. Like, that's what you would – if you weren't as good as the other team and they were taking advantage yeah. of you, at a certain point, you just outmuscle them for a minute just you, to get them off their game. You're leveling the playing field both literally and figuratively. <laughs> exactly. There, there was a lot of that in the movie where they're like, well, what would actually happen in this game? Like, aside from the climactic game, they really don't win any games they're not supposed to. Right. They don't lose any games, but they play about as well as they should. The movie doesn't even really hone on it. There's a lot of times where you get, like, the score. 
because it's really not concerned with it. Yeah, I like, I like how before their first game, they didn't even show a basketball scene for the first game he coached. It just flashed the score up there. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We're not going to have to dwell on the intricacies of every game, but we'll get well, the also, gist of their arc of this season. I would argue you could even make the case, and I'm probably reading more into it than they are, yeah. but that's his mind frame. Like, at the beginning, he doesn't care. All right, and right. Toward, as he gets more and more into it, it becomes his sole focus to the point where when he, um, as we're going to get in the spoilers at one point, uh, has to be removed as coach. He's he's emotional about it because it's really on, all he has. He's going through the second stage of something that's that's been going on sort of on the sur- under the surface mm-hmm. the whole time, and he's found really the only thing in his life that isn't damaging. Yeah. So there's there, and that's like at the point where you're watching like a significant portion of the game in those scenes. So he's become invested in a way he's not elsewhere. And even when you see a game that he doesn't coach, you don't actually see any of the game. You only right. hear. No, yeah, I mean he's he's in, I mean he's in every fra- scene in this movie. I think like it's all bad. Like yeah, I don't I, I don't think there's really a scene where he's not present for more than a, a couple yeah, seconds from, at all. Aside from cutaways to other people, I think there yeah. is. There's no scene where his character is not in there. There is part of the very last scene. Other than that, yeah, everyone every scene he's in. That's the only scene where two things are happening at two different spots. He's where he is at the end of the movie, and the players are where they are, and they talk about winning it for him, and then they move on. Yeah, and so I, that's the only time you see a, a scene without him. And I think it's pretty important, actually. I mean, just to capture what this guy's life is like, and that you know, I think, I guess, I thought a lot of it, knowing that it was about a guy with alcoholism going in. I thought maybe there'd be a bunch of scenes of him, you know, having loud arguments with people or getting in bar fights, and uh, and yeah, he maybe get gets into a little trouble later on that we'll talk about. But I, it's more just like does a really effective job of just like showing the mundanity of his life and how yeah. de- and just ha- and how sad and depressing it is that he's just there killing a I don't like an 18 pack of beer in one night just sitting there and doing it and maybe not tearing his apartment apart while he does it but he's just like that's 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 just what it is and it's actually because he's doing giving a very good performance it's it's compelling yes. to watch just a guy just have to live with himself like that yeah it's it's you see multiple scenes of him drinking and it, the movie the movie takes its time with it and I think early on, you may not really get what it's going for yet, but there's a lot of he has to dull the pain inside of him until he can function or go to sleep or whatever. So you need to watch like this. This one of the, the central scenes of that is him emptying his fridge of beer while he mimics the call he's going to make to say he doesn't mm-hmm. want to take the job. And it goes from a very like realistic, like I, I have so much going on in my life. It's clear bullshit. And he's lying, but he's selling it well to Hey, father, it's not going to happen. Like, he's still, like, mellow to becoming, like, angry and being like, get rid of your fucking job. I don't want it. (laughs) To the point where when he's finally done with the beer and he's full in the tank and he doesn't have an excuse anymore, the the pain he's trying to work out is gone. So that's when he's empty, and that's why he says yes. Yeah. Because the balance was all pain, alcohol and pain, alcohol and pain, and it starts to equal out. And usually that's when he passes out or gets mm. dragged home from the bar and instead left to his own devices, sitting there thinking about it. It ends up being, I don't have a reason to say no, I'm just going to say yes. And honestly, a lot of it is the movie doesn't have a movie if he doesn't say yes. Right. The fact that they spend like that's a two three minute scene of him just running out of excuses. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to having to talk to someone like working it out in his head and really realizing what kind of like fucked up headspace he has is really important. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that point because I was like, wait, they're not going to show him accepting the job, but that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I I didn't feel like I was missing anything by not having that scene, but I like the explanation yeah. that you. I mean, you could also even make the argument that he said yes and he doesn't remember it. He might have called oh, him drunk, wrong over. <laughs> yeah, that that, that, that uh, certainly could have happened. Um, but yeah, I, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to jump in and talk about the back half of this movie a little bit more. So I'll I'll, right. I'll say anyone that uh, hasn't seen it yet. I think Joey obviously Which highly recommends it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, hopefully it'll do okay, um, and people will end up seeing it. It'll be a word-of-mouth thing, but uh, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to be able to post this, luckily, the, the week it, the, just the week after it, the weekend it premiered. So hopefully people will still have some time to find it, and Joey and I would both obviously recommend that you go do it, but yes. if you don't want to be spoiled on a couple of second-half twists in this movie, uh, go away now and come back after you've seen the movie. Uh, so, Joey, I, I do want to jump ahead, and and I, I, I talked around it earlier, and again, I, like I said, it's anyone that watches this movie can kind of and watches this guy go about his life and how he's literally drinking nonstop, driving to work on his way back from work to the bar and when he's leaving school and all that like movies like that like the foreshadow with uh car crashes so i mean that's obviously something that comes up but i guess before we even talk about the car crash i want to ask you first uh how how shocked were you when you found out about the backstory with his son? Because I actually was pretty thrown off by it until we actually find out what happens. Whereas you already brought up Manchester by the Sea, and I'm not usually the best at predicting stuff in movies. But the first time I saw Manchester, like I think I figured out within the first 20 minutes that his kids had died, and yeah, because well, like I mean, yeah, that was I a surprise to some people. I, I in in Manchester, I picked up on it though. Um, no, I picked up on that pretty quick. I, I picked up on this one pretty quick also. Okay. When I realized that there was an ex-wife, I was like, there's definitely been a tragedy. Right. Like, because it's not that – the way they set up the story isn't that his drinking ruined things because he's still someone – Right, right. Like, he, like it's not that he doesn't have relationships, that he's pushed away from relationships. His sister and his family want him around. Mm-hmm. His ex-wife wants him around. The friends they spend time with want him around. There's, he's sense, inundated yeah. with people reaching out. He just doesn't reach back, and at the beginning, that's partly a mystery, and it's revealed about midway through, but towards the third act, that it's because they they had a child who who died of leukemia or cancer, whichever one it was, and that he just he can't be around people. He doesn't. It's a combination of he's a, he's ashamed he wasn't able to save his son, even though he has nothing to do with that. That he wasn't able to be there for his wife in the way he wanted, and that it it just led him to recede from life. So people are reaching out. He just doesn't reach back. And at the beginning, you don't know why. And when you realize why, you understand. And actually, it makes for an interesting situation because you kind of start judging yourself for wondering, why can't you clean up your act? Like, you, you know, there's so many scenes where you're like, you could not go to the bar tonight or you could not be drinking in the shower. Or you could not be drinking in the car or at work. And later on, when you realize why, you start to understand like, oh, he just doesn't have a, a mechanism for dealing with this. He, his options are dull it until he doesn't think about it or spend time in agony and he doesn't want to spend time in agony and also forces you to be like how much your head goes to a place like oh this is kind of a good excuse but at the same time like where do you draw the line and where is it like where is the behavior unacceptable and you know it it, it seems like they're less than two years from the kid dying i I think we figured that out at some point uh because the kid shows the kid died in like 2017 or something so it hasn't been hasn't been that long and you're like okay how much of this behavior is actually excusable because of this but i was gonna ask you like did did you did you find it to be a worthwhile twist to add in there and because it seems like there there was enough sad backstory that he could have like you know i mean he could have just been a screw-up and there are alcoholics that don't have some kind of tragic backstory but it seems like you think the movie made it worse even if there's a version of this movie where that's not even in there and it still works as a movie. I mean, I think without it, you have the guy who 
had a dad who only paid attention to him when he realized he was good at sports. So he decided to walk away from sports and he let a hole in his life because of that. And that's, there's a movie to be made that way. But I, I, I think then you would, you would find it easier to be like, well, dude, just do something else with your life. Right. And it seems like just coaching, a, coaching a basketball team and finding fulfillment doing that might be enough to bring you out of it. If that's, yeah. if that's what it is. So the fact that like he has this other really tragic backstory and he has to watch them friends go through the same thing and losing a kid like that almost makes more sense in that kind of sets up the, the last 25 minutes of the movie. Right. And I, and that, that's what I was getting at earlier where it was like, I just thought this movie was going to be the thing where, you know, he has a big screw up, but then he redeems himself by winning the big game. And I was very happy when it looked like he wasn't going to have that big screw up, but then the movie has to keep going. And I see the car crash. I'm like, Oh, well this is at first I was like mad, like, Oh man, I thought they were going to have this thing. But then it's like, and I, cause I was worried it was going to turn into just like this movie about an alcoholic that I felt like I'd seen before in a very unsubtle way. And I, I wanted a more subtle movie about alcoholism. You, you yeah. know, one, one movie I can consider to actually maybe not be about alcoholism, but be low key, like a movie about, someone that has alcoholism is the spectacular now because yes. you basically see the miles tower character just he's drinking like the whole movie and it just doesn't comment yeah. on it that much i think the at one point one of the guy his boss i think it's bob odenkirk in that movie uh yeah. plays his boss at the store and he makes a comment but that's about it and you know that guy well, he says a, you can keep your job if you can promise me you won't drink anymore and he says i can't do that and then it doesn't but they don't really talk about the drinking that much the rest of the movie and you just kind of get it that that's, that's just like a problem that that guy ha- has and it's just there in his life and it's present and it's a factor in all the decisions he's making the rest of that movie and i'm like i kind of like that twist on it where it's just it's a clear the guy has a problem but like the movie's not going to be too in your face about it i'm like man this is going to be in your face in the worst way because it's going to be used for this traditional sports movie redemption at the end and it's like so much smarter than that because yeah. it, I mean, it's it's making the point that like you know, like you've already made that you know, basketball can't like a sport can't solve a problem like that. It goes far deeper than that. And the movie like spends its last twenty minutes fully acknowledging that and not leaving you at the most happy ending. And that felt much more honest. Oh yeah, no, it it leaves him at a crossroads. Like you don't know what's going to happen to this person. Mm-hmm. Like, and the the second or third, the last scene is is him. He's gone. To, he's been sent to rehab. He's going to get clean. You hope. But it's the first time he's ever talking to someone about this. Mm-hmm. Like he's never like in their scenes with his his ex where they talk around it, or when he sort of brings up how much pain he's in. Um, but it's not until he's sort of finally bearing his soul that he explains like I I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do with this, and and that's why I I've made the choices I've made. And once you start making that choice, it's so much easier to keep making that choice than to address the the problem. And yeah, the elephant gets bigger and bigger in the room, and it pushes me more and more into a corner. But if I don't have to address the elephant, I can I can deal with that. Everything is about getting to the next day. Mm-hmm. And and to leave him, the last scene in the movie is 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 kind of spectacular because it's the team playing their big game that they're probably going to lose without him. You know, they're inspired to to win, do it for him, but you don't know what happens. You hear the announcer say they started pretty well, but that's about it. And you see him at rehab, but what he does is he picks up a basketball. Right. And he decides to shoot a few hoops because he's he's willing to engage with his past. So you don't know what's going to happen, but you get the sense of if he can pick up a basketball and not worry about like the specter of his father, and he can think about basketball without thinking about the team, and he can not have a drink, that maybe tomorrow will be the same and maybe the next day after and maybe he'll eventually get somewhere. So he's, but it doesn't guarantee it. He's still at rehab at the end, do you think, when he's on that yeah, basketball that's, court that's, that's on the ocean? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 really like nice, a, that's some really nice real estate for, for that yeah, his, uh, rehab his sister, episode. 
His sister definitely. Oh right, right. She well said that. Right, I forgot. She said she yeah. keep it paid for it. They they she actually talked about that. It says, "Let me help you get." Let me let me. She says, "I'm going to get you some help." Is that okay? Right, right. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I, I really agree. And I again, I was just like really pleasantly surprised that the movie had the the confidence to just not give you like a sports movie ending, and yeah. they, they trust the audience would appreciate that and not want to give you something that just feels too true traditional Hollywood and just go there and uh, allow allow that to sit with you. And I and I and I and I assume that's probably part of what attracted Ben Affleck to the project. He doesn't seem like you know I, I should have had a little more faith from the get go. I mean, not that every Ben Affleck movie is like great, but you know that he would want to, he wouldn't be attracted to something in the first place if it was totally traditional and the material, uh, obviously spoke to him as, yeah. uh, as we talked about, uh, did you have any other thoughts on any of these, uh, performances or anything like that? The one, the one guy I wanted to shout out was, uh, Melvin Gregg, who's making a career out of, uh, just showing up as basketball players and stuff. You know, yeah. he played, Mar- he played a guy named Marcus in the second season of American Vandal. And then he was, uh, the kind of the main client in high flying bird about exactly a year ago. And, uh, and, and now he's playing, uh, the hot, on the basketball team and I, I really like that guy a lot as an actor though and I like the guy that played the point guard he looked really familiar and I don't know where I'd seen him before and I don't actually think I had when I looked at his I think IMDb. he's a musician I think he might be a rapper but I'm not sure that w- uh, that would not make me the one someone likely to know him because I don't know music I mean but, I, I don't know either but, uh, but, but I, I really liked him too and I, like I said I just yeah. like these kids was was there anyone else you want to shout out about uh, any other performance or small moment that you I liked mean, I'm, honestly it's really it's really about Affleck yeah I uh I think the score is pretty good. Hmm. Um, the cinematography is pretty good. Like it's, there's a lot of close-ups on his face. Like they don't leave him anywhere to go. Like if he wasn't up to this role, you would know. And he, and he put on so much weight too. I mean, I mean, he was a little beefier when Triple Frontier came out too. But like, I think, he, uh, he takes up so much of the frame with just his face. Even I think it's yeah, it's interesting. I think there was a time, and granted, I wonder when they, they definitely this movie. I think initially was going to come out last year at one point, so it might have shot. Even in in 2017, 2018, I don't think so. I think, but uh, oh, I think I do remember when it got pushed back too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it had been, it had, it had, I think it shot like early 2019 or maybe late 2018, and it had it had a couple different names. I think Warner Brothers just didn't really know what to do with it because it's such an old fashioned movie. Like, where do we put it? But that would make sense that he did it in close proximity to Triple Frontier because he kind of had I the think same he body type. Still been, yeah, which is to say, I think he might have still been in sort of the Batman body. Ah, okay. I think he might have been done with Batman, but maybe hadn't, you know, started receding from the the body type yet. Gotcha. Because if you look at um, Jan Silent Bob reboot, the scene that he's in, he shot that the very end of that of that movie. So that's that's last year. That's you know mid to late last year, hmm. and he's still pretty big, but he's not like in in this movie. I even remarked to my friend that the only other thing I don't believe is that he's a basketball player. Like he looks like a linebacker. Like he's a little short. Right, but uh, like he doesn't look like the ideal basketball player. Like he's just like, he's but, just, but he's been out. Of, he's been out of shape for twenty five years and hasn't played sports. So yeah, it, 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 it's it's the best version of instead of getting fat. Like he didn't he didn't get fat for the role. It's just he looks big. He looks like right. a construction worker, which is right. what he is in the movie when yeah. you meet him. Yeah, that was the other thing. If it wasn't a car crash, I thought maybe he was going to like uh, – because I presumed he kept working construction. I don't think he's making a full salary as the basketball coach. I thought maybe no. he was going to get like make it, get in a drunken accident on the construction site. That, that was the other thing I kept getting worried about. Yeah, I mean uh, that didn't happen, happen either. That, that didn't happen either. But uh, yeah. but no, but yeah, I, I still like how they pulled all that stuff off even as I was dreading it the whole movie. And that's why I, that's why I was ultimately like most impressed with this. Uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts on the way back before we move on, Joe? You already, you already, you already started it. propping it up for the Oscar campaign, so I guess you're spearheading that 
Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a party of one, but still. <laughs> All right, yeah, everyone, uh, go see this movie. Uh, give it a shot. It's uh, if if you, if you were a little turned off by the trailer like I did, uh, still give it a shot as I did also because I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. But uh, now we're going to move on and talk about All the Bright Places, which is one of the newer uh, – original releases from netflix it's by director brett haley written by jennifer niven and liz hannah liz hannah you might know from writing the post and long shot which was just one of the better movies of last year in my opinion yeah. i think yeah i knew joey liked it too it stars Elle fanning an actress i really like justice smith and uh alexandra ship amongst others also keegan michael key and luke wilson pop up as well it focuses on uh violet a young girl who's gone through a tragedy in her life and uh, whose sister died and one day uh, theodore finch played by Justice Smith, uh, comes upon her when she's standing on a bridge uh, where the car accident her sister is in happened. And he, you know, is obviously kind of concerned when you see someone standing on a bridge and kind of talks her down a little bit and ends up, you know, she's just been in a big funk socially since that happened. And he kind of tries to bring her out of it. She, he has a kind of an odd reputation at school, though it's not immediately clear to the audience exactly where it comes from, but he's apparently dangerous in some way. And she is just very withdrawn and, uh, they kind of form a relationship and he brings her out of it. And Joey, before we even talk about the specifics of this movie, I wanted to ask you about Brett Haley. Because yes. back when I actually first reached out to you about doing the podcast a couple of years ago, uh, I, it was after you had been posting a lot about Hearts Beat Loud, a movie that I really liked but didn't know a lot of people had seen. And I, so I, therefore I didn't even talk about it. I might have been doing my old podcast at that point or it just started this one and I just didn't – I didn't end up talking about it because I didn't really know anyone who had seen it. And I really liked that movie. I really liked I'll See You in My Dreams. I really liked The Hero. I didn't see his first movie. I think it's called The New Year, which which I kind of want to see because it takes place or either filmed in Pensacola, which is mm-hmm. my home, which is my hometown where Brett Haley's from. And I, but like I, I really like those three movies. And so I was excited when I saw he was going to work with uh, Liz Hanna, who I whose work I also like. And I was, but I, but I guess I wanted to ask you first about like he's he's just a director that I feel like doesn't get a lot of attention, but he's actually now worked with some pretty big, well known people. And I just found a way to like make small movies about adult people doing things and kind of kept chugging along, even if none of these movies are really breaking the bank. And I, I knew you really liked those movies also. And I was just curious, like, uh, what about them is, have you really connected with and, uh, what were your initial thoughts on all the bright places? Yeah. He, he's a filmmaker where it feels like a miracle every time one of his gets made. Cause he's, right. he's making movies that nobody makes and he's telling stories that 20 years ago would be hard to make so even now like (laughs) he's a filmmaker who who would have done great in the 80s like the like mid mid budget got a decent name in it just acting there's no special effects like he's he's got that down like he has a he has a great sense of of creating a character you want to spend time with like i'll see you in my dreams it's impossible not to want to like spend time with Bly Danner and Sam Elliott and, and yeah, uh, it's like it's like he's, he's like an old widow whose dog dies and you're just like this is actually really fun to hang out with this old lady. I was like, how did he do that? Oh yeah, like he he deserves so much credit alone for being like, you know what we need? We need Sam Elliott as like a sexy guy. Yeah, that was the next thing I was gonna say. Like, I had the balls to make him a romantic lead. Like, good for him. Yeah, and then. I so I moderated Q and A's with him and Sam for oh, the okay. year, and actually years ago I'd done Q and A's with Bly Danner, so I I've been in that circle. Yeah. But uh, you know when I would ask him like why did you make the hero like why did you want to make a movie that you know in a, it, maybe seven people would see it did well, but as a joke like this is not like the movie to sell. He's like I wanted to make a movie about and watch Sam Elliott for ninety minutes. Who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. Like I want to do that. Like I. <laughs> So he he tells these stories, and he had for the longest time had a knack for making movies about 
older people and making them universal. Like I'll see what my dreams is about aging. Yeah. Aging, but also is very universal in the story of like someone who's a little bit lonely and making connections. The hero is about facing death and facing mortality and, and the idea of like not being proud of what you've done in your life. And also, uh, and it works for about uh, dealing with your kids getting older and what that means exactly. as an adult. Yeah. So that was like his first step into, into a younger generation. And here he's sort of embraced the, the teen YA movie. And, I, and I'll be honest, like I, the only reason I gave that one a shot is because Brett Haley and Liz Hanna, like I'm not a YA person. Right. So how do you, how do, how do you think his sensibilities then translated to just a totally different demographic? Surprisingly well. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I've liked two YA movies that I can think of the spectacular now and the fault in our stars. And they're both written by Scott Newstead or Michael H. Weber. Like they have a voice that I yeah. like. And I like Brad like Haley. Shout out to Michael Weber, big Sixers fan on Twitter, like me. So I just want to get, I love, love that guy on Twitter. Give, give him a follow. I, uh, yeah. He and I, he and I will, will talk once in a blue moon and usually it's bemoaning the Mets more so, <laughs> but uh, you know, New York and Philadelphia sports fans have a, have a pretty good love hate relationship. Like you, you dislike each other's teams because they play each other, but you also understand like we've we've all largely had the same struggles. Like there, especially when you're a Mets Jets New York fan like you, you can kind of yes. the there's a little bit of a kindred spirit there with the Philadelphia I mean, yeah, Heartbreaks. Can, yeah, I mean I'm, I'm a Met Jet Net Devils fan. It's Ooh. very random. Yeah, but if you put that up against someone who's like a Sixers Phillies Flyers Eagles fan, there's a lot of similarities there. And like, yeah, no, really about the same medal, a m- number of championships you can count on one hand, that kind of thing. Exactly. But, uh, but, but yeah, but no, yeah, I feel you on the yeah. YA thing. Like those guys are really good at it. Yeah. So Brett Haley, I'll see anything he makes. Um, he actually, I, I, I had talked to him about what he was making next. And I don't remember if he mentioned this, he had mentioned two or three things. So I don't remember if this was the, in my head or not, mm-hmm. but also Liz Hanna, like, I think the post is pretty good. I love Longshot. Like, I think she's yeah, that, a really underrated writer. Yeah, that just so missed my top. It, that just missed my missed my top ten last year. I, it was my number ten of the year. Okay. Um, so when I knew that she was right, well, co-writing with the actual author, and he was directing, and it was for Netflix, and it didn't seem like he was just checking a box. You know, I understand that this, I'm sure, was probably the the best paying job he's had yet, and will reach the most amount of people. But I, I was like, there, mu- there must be something there. I like Ella Fanning. I'm indifferent to Justice Smith. But so also, he, he's it. also he's also written the other stuff that he's uh, directed. So if he's still he's one, co- like, he's co-written everything with his right. Co-writer. So if you yeah. want to sign on to something that he wasn't even like a part of writing, he must have. I mean, aside from the paycheck, I'm sure there's something that attracted him to it. Yeah, and I was very I was very impressed. I, I th- it's in my top five of the year. I think oh, wow. uh, definitely okay. the top ten uh, because it it finds a really mature and honest way of dealing with these issues that could be super cliche and could be super like phony feeling. Um, I never felt like the movie was talking at you, was talking with you. And uh, even when it goes to like some very dark places, it, it kind of goes there in a way that you, you would see in life. It was, it wasn't a very like filmy film. There was a lot of like life. You, you got to spend time with them and, and sort of get in their headspace. And then when it comes to like understanding the issues that both of them have, it doesn't overly explain them. It kind of just, let you deal with the fact that we we don't fully know why people are the way they are. We don't like we ba- some people like many of us barely can understand our own issues, let alone someone else's. And it, and it, it has something to say about that. 
Yeah, it, you know, uh, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but I uh, because it focuses on the same two characters throughout. But I actually thought a little bit about waves while watching this because yeah. it's the same bifurcated structure, and half of it is about a guy kind of like ruining his life. And I, I mean, waves is maybe a little more uh, explanatory about why that happens, even if like I mean, with, with just given that guy's relationship with his parents, and here it's, yeah. you know, it seems like uh, Finch has had a lot of uh, issues in his past that have probably just never gotten resolved because there was a dad not present and a mom that was often not around either because of work and probably just you know it's weird it kind of trojan horses in a story about i don't want to say trojan horses because it's pretty explicit about it but it it pretty suddenly becomes a movie about mental illness but it's not too out of nowhere because you kind of know throughout the whole movie something's up with this guy and i mean i I, like you said it doesn't overly explain it because it's kind of realistic that like no one would exactly know what to call it because this kid hasn't gotten the help he needs. And it's just kind of yeah. there and you see how it manifests itself and that's just what it's about. And it doesn't over explain it. It has the necessary disclaimer about kind of at the end, cause I'm sure Netflix is kind of sensitive to that stuff because they kind of got a lot of criticism for 13 reasons why. And, um, you know, it, it puts it out there. It's like, Hey, we understand this is a problem, but this particular character, like we don't know what it was, but it could be any number of things, all of which are really important to address. Yeah. No, it's it's really well done. I think, uh, you know, everything about it is solid. You know, I think both the both of the leads are solid. I think the uh, the, the direction is very solid. I love the score. Keegan DeWitt is a phenomenal composer. Hmm. He works with um, Brett Haley all the time. He's done a lot of other stuff. He's you've you've almost certainly heard a score you liked of his. He wrote the songs for Hearts Beat Loud. He wrote oh, the yeah. uh, song for the hero. Like, he should be an Oscar nominee, and the fact that he's not is a tragedy. Yeah, but, I don't uh, know. I was really mad that Hearts Beat Loud didn't get anything in there. Yeah. The, I, I meant songs at the Oscars in 2018. Yeah, well, that's true. But, yeah, so the uh, the score does a really good job of, of giving you emotion without telling you how to feel. And I think the script and the direction do that, too. Like, I, I think Al Fanning's pretty good. Justice Smith is, is maybe the weak link, but he's still good. It's, it's, just, it's funny you know, that you say that because I don't often like you know criticize actors all that much, and it's just I mean I, I normally think it kind of comes whether or not I'm going to enjoy someone in the movie is more dependent on the script for the most part. But yeah. like he's an actor, and I feel bad saying it about younger guys, but I haven't I just haven't loved him as much and stuff. Like I didn't really I I kind of stuck out to me a little bit in the Jurassic Park movie he did, and well he's just very broad in that movie. Yeah, well even in the Pokemon Detective Pikachu, like I thought like it was just like man I wish Catherine Newton had been the lead in this instead of like the supporting person that drops in, and he just he just doesn't do it for me in the same way Elle Fanning does, who I just think is. Yeah. You know, been very prolific in the last few years, but it's just pretty great no matter the quality of what it is she's in. And yeah, I would I, I would have definitely enjoyed if it – the movie would have been to the level where I would have been very upset they didn't put it out and give it a shot to go to kind of catch on with awards if you had swapped it out and L and L Fanning had the Justice Smith role and she went to the places he had to because, I mean, he does it well. It's yeah. just – and he's There's pretty, a little bit missing. And he's pretty, yeah. And he is pretty charming, though. And like when he's trying to, like, you know, he's at his best when he's being charming. Get him, to, getting her to open up early in the movie, because you know, I think that's that's something that's worthwhile, a worthwhile thing to like kind of investigate in a movie is how to just how to approach people that are dealing with grief. It's a hard thing to do in life in general, and it's interesting to see it depicted. And you see, you see people doing it in a not very good way, like the guy that's her ex boyfriend or guy she was dating before things happen, yeah. and he's just a total dick, and. You know, there's a way to approach people like that to try and get them to open up, and it's not to like judge them or you know make them feel like they, they're doing anything wrong. You just need to be like persistent in a gentle way. And I think Justice Smith is pretty charming when he does that. But yeah, maybe he's not the same level of actor she is to handle some of the stuff that that character has to do later on. For sure, and like it's not it's a very very small issue, but it's the only it's the yeah. only criticism I can think of. What's largely a very very strong film. 
No, for sure. Yeah. I, very charming in, uh, well, I don't want to say charming overall. He, he, he gets to be charming at points, but the movie is just very solid. And I thought, I, I just thought it was pretty cool to see, you know, in a way, like you said, not only maybe the biggest payday Brett Haley's career, but probably just the biggest budget to be able to, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's the reason he gets to make the movie he spoke to me about next. Like, oh, okay. he, he has a book he was trying to adapt. And I imagine if we, I would not be surprised if in the next year or so we hear it's announced as like the next Netflix project for him. Gotcha. Like it, it was, it's a, it's a movie about a, like a middle-aged woman dealing with an, with an issue. So it's like, very much up their alley if they want to win like an award. Like I could see him, you know, like if Julianne Moore didn't have an Oscar, like this would be the one kind of thing. Yeah. So I saw, I saw, I saw, okay. Well, I saw something on his Wikipedia that said he was doing something for Netflix called sort of like a rock star. I don't know if that's what it is, but it's based on, based on a novel. It's filmed in October or whatever. So, Hey, we got another movie of his to look forward to plus whatever it is. Yeah, so plus plus whatever got the, this movie that's already in the can for Netflix plus whatever you already talked to him about. So good to know we have more coming from him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would just say all the bright places. I mean, it handles some pretty sensitive material in a in a pretty in a pretty impressive way. And you know, I it's just a a director that obviously is showing he can kind of you know make movies for different audiences. Whereas, and I like all these adult movies he had made, but it's cool to see you know he can do something like this if he if he so feels like. Uh, any other thoughts on all the bright places, Joey? I think it's just another example like with, with The Way Back. It's a movie that could have been bad or mediocre, and it turned out really good. Like, I think The Way Back is phenomenal mm-hmm. when it could have been fair, and this is a movie that could have been bad off it, outright, and it's it's actually really, really good. Yeah, no, I agree, and I hope more people see it and uh, want to support Brett Haley so he can uh, keep making keep making movies that are you know just the kind of movies that it seems like he's really good at making that not a lot of other a lane that not a lot of people are in. So hopefully exactly. this gives him that exposure. And uh, you and I were talking before he came on, but you know there might even be a bigger bump, a Netflix bump than usual. People are staying home from the movies because of all the kind of worries out in the world right now with uh, the coronavirus. So who knows? Maybe sure. this will maybe this will end up being a little bit of a boon for him and uh, give him even more opportunities. And same. Same goes for Elle Fanning because, you know, I mean, she does those Maleficent movies, but for the most part, she she kind of yeah. keeps it pretty uh, indie also. So uh, mm-hmm. if anything makes her a more bankable star, I am there for that as well. So, uh, Joey, thanks for joining me to talk about these two movies. Before we sign off, uh, where can people find your stuff? Uh, they can find me at the award circuit. They can find me at Hollywood News. They can see stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd. It's all my name. It's not hard to find. Um, yeah. You also, you also, you also started doing a podcast too? Uh, yeah, no. So we, you know, I've been doing with, uh, Clayton at the award circuit. We've done circuit breaker for years, but, um, at Hollywood news, we're trying out the, uh, the Hollywood news podcast. Honestly, it's kind of inconsistent at the moment. If I'm going to be honest, I'm not great at talking to myself. So off season, it's a little hard, but more more of an award, award season type thing is where that's, that's where your bread and butter is for something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So since, since the season's been over, we've been doing some interviews so I, uh, I talked to, I called in a couple of favors basically to gotcha. be like, I got a podcast that I'm not sure anyone's listening to. Um, will you still talk to me? So I, I spoke to Kumail Nanjiani and, uh, his wife, Emily Gordon, who, uh, I I've loved since they did a video game podcast years ago called the indoor kids. Ah. So, um, I, I joked that we basically brought that back for a five minute uh, podcast because <laughs> we talked a little bit about, um, little America. Yeah. Well, I, I, I watched little America. It was, I really liked it. Yeah, Little America Solid. I uh, at the end of it, I was like, just just talk video games with me for a minute, and they were absolutely delighted to do so. Um, <laughs> I spoke to uh, Leslie uh, Linka Glitter, who's uh, she's the showrunner on um, Homeland right now, and she's directed episodes of basically every show you can imagine. Gotcha. She actually directed Now and Then, the the '90s uh, girly movie. 
um, which is a terrible description of it, but it's just <laughs> how it came to mind. Um, and then I just uh, spoke to John Magara, ah. who's in First Cow and uh, is going to be um, in the Many Saints of Newark. Oh right, right, right. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. He well he was he was in the uh, uh, not fade away, right? Uh, he was so in not fade away. He was in Big Short. He was in the liberal arts. Like he's he's one of those actors that I wish more people knew because he he makes largely very good choices. Well, it's ironic that you I mean you, you make that comment about him, but he just did a Kelly Record movie, which people don't really see her movies, yeah. even though they're great. And I, I it's funny you even brought that up because I my friend Ben who did a who did a, the podcast on me with about a portrait of a lady on fire a few days ago. We've been talking about First Cow for like two years. It's like a running joke between us that it's going to be the most listened to podcast I've ever done and I'm very excited Good about it I mean I don't I, yeah <laughs> I, I don't know when it's going to get to me I know one of my indie theaters around here will get it at some point and I'm very excited I'm very excited for it I'm very excited to see him in it um, cool. and uh, so yeah well everyone check out Joey if you want to hear some of those interesting conversations he had and you can find him on any of those places and I'll, I'll link to it in the podcast description as well uh, as usual I'm Josh Jernavoy J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd and the podcast Gmail is RewindMoviePod at Gmail com and the twitter is rewind movie pod so get at us there coming up next we'll have a podcast on onward and i'm uh not really sure what's coming after that because uh it's just that time of year and i'm not really sure what's coming out more than any one or two weeks ahead of me so uh but we'll obviously be covering whatever there is to cover that doesn't get moved like no time to die because of all of our terrible things going on in the world so stay tuned for that we'll see you next time